Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Run, Repeat, episode 41, the running podcast for the average runner. This week's guest is far from an average runner. Um, so um, keep listening. He's on shortly. And that is uh, Aiden Hobbs, local elite runner from Brisbane. We had a great chat to him. He was a really nice guy. Hey, Nath? Yeah, really down to earth, uh, very modest, um, but uh, made it to the for the Australian team to the uh, World Mountain Running Championships. Just, uh, just been on in Chiang Mai in uh, northern Thailand um, at altitude there. So... Um, Gives us a bit of a uh, rundown of the race and explains the course and how difficult it was and and all the rest of it. So stay tuned and he was actually talking about the ITRA ranking and that. And I've just looked to find mine, and I'm ranked eighty seven point two percent world ranking. (laughs) Is that from all the ultras? Yeah, from all the ultras I've done. So Brisbane Trail Ultra. I'll tell you, let's bring it back up. Uh, Brisbane Trail Ultra, Mount Glorious race fifty. The Noosa 50 should be on there, but it doesn't appear to be on there. Um, so I think they, they, yeah, well, you never know what you're getting with the, with that one. But, um, yeah, the then I had the race from many, many, 2013 when I did the Narang Forest um, race. So all I've got on here is Mount Glorious last year, Mount Glorious this year, and Brisbane Trail Ultra. They haven't included from 2021 the um lake manchester race so i don't know if that got points or not but um anyway uh, i was just thought i'd have a look and i hate oh there you go if, if you're listening in the world <laughs> if you're listening check that. your check your own name you're probably on just there go to itra.com or that and uh have a, have a look if you do trail races yeah oh we should quickly run through your the training talk yeah have you yeah. been training mate no i haven't because i'm recovering from um mount glorious that really did give me a whack and then um unfortunately the, the old dog put down on monday so it's been a bit of a oh that's right been a bit of a weird week um and then an emotional week and then um i just was getting a bit sick a little bit dodgy throat so um i ran saturday morning at park run uh, k warm up park run then one lap to cool down and then i went for a swim because it was so hot when i went across matilda's doing some swimming for a, a bribe island triathlon next weekend so i did 250 meter swim in the pool i'm trying to get my shoulder what pool working the pool just across there you know it's at the back oh, of at the north Face. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a 25 meter pool so i was um in there and um, i went this week to see the orthopedic surgeon about me dodgy right shoulder that i busted doing crossfit and I've got to have some saline injection into it. They're going to fill the pocket up with with saline and it should expand the socket. So I should be able to increase the range of motion. Um, uh, oh, surgery is a last resort, arthroscopy. Yeah, so yeah. do this to see how that goes. So that was quite positive. And I've been booked in in uh, the end of November in Redcliffe to have that oh, injection cool. done. That's going to hurt. Ultrasound, big injection, saline solution into the shoulder capsule. Ooh. But anyway, that'll sort me out. 
You've had, had a cracking a, week. Uh, big week, yeah. How um, many Ks? Uh, I think I was just over 70, which is he the is biggest back. week. Yeah, so the last like four weeks, I've been slowly building back from like, I went 6, 38, 40, 45, and then this week, a big jump of 70. And that was basically just been loads of easy running and um, had a crack at park run on Saturday just to kind of test where my fitness is. And I think I run 18.39. So that yeah. was a lot quicker than what I thought because I was just hoping to go under 20 minutes. You were but... taking it easy, 18.39. <laughs> yeah, no, I was definitely working hard for that. And, I mean, it was hot, wasn't it? It was so hey, hot. Hey, I've got to say, uh, bloody park run, I was annoyed because there's some guy I ran. I remember running past him. I, he was lapping him or he just blown up. And then there he was at the finish line, laying on his back, stuffed, with a token in his hand in front of me. And I was like, hang on a second. What's happened there? He's either taken a shortcut and then skipped, or he's or he's only done two laps. So if he's there next week, I'm going to just stick with him and follow him. And just, <laughs> I'm just going to see what he does. And if he takes that shortcut or he only jumps in after two laps, I'm going to be like, right. Leg kick. I'm watching you, mate. Yeah, I'm on him. I'm on to him. Funny oh. though, you know, you say that. There was two or three weeks ago. Someone did it in um, front of Tammy, didn't someone you? Someone cheated. They did the they did a full shortcut. Like yeah, you know, and then then yeah. went in the line in front of Tammy to get uh, get their tag. Yeah. And Tammy said, I can't the, believe he's just running done in front. They took of the footpath across the lake. So they missed yeah. probably, you know, four hundred meters of the of the run. Like why I reckon what this cheat? that's what this guy's done. Why would you cheat at parkrun? Oh, mate. Why, yeah. did, why do elite athletes who live at altitude still take EPO? You know, yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. The old no, door song, bad. people are strange. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. So we you better, and then you had a run, big run this morning, mate. Yeah, we run um, just, well, it was 21K, but it was, we, it says 20.5K um, because, I forgot my watch and I was running with um, Matthew Flannery and he, he missed five. He forgot to start his watch after we got a drink. So we missed 500 meters, but doesn't matter. Still got over 70 K for the week, but that was good. That was with, um, you done a track uh, session. Do you do any like sort of like uh, intervals and stuff? No, I didn't do anything um, fast during the week. I'm not risking it until I think maybe give it a couple more weeks or I won't even bother. I just, Treat park run as a session and um that's what I've been wait using. Wait till Christmas. Yeah. That's my tempo session. It's good, you know, five five K pretty fast. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's a good day. Do a good warm up, good effort at park run, good warm down. You yeah, you, you can get ten K done doing that. Yeah. And uh, Steve Sparling's had a bit of a run in the week because of his dodgy hip. He's sort of back. Uh, he can't make it today, but he ran yesterday at park run, just took it easy, but still some hip problems. So hopefully we can get on top of that. Uh, Brad has gone incognito. You know, what's happened to Brad? And yeah, I uh, think he did run today. Did he? Yeah. It's like, it's for anyone listening overseas, it's like absolutely boiling over here. So like we, we run this morning at 5am and um, Brad, I saw on Strava run at 11am, like in Ooh. the worst time crazy. to run. Oh, oh mate. That was crazy. Yeah. Hey, we should give a shout out to my cousin Craig and um, his brother Jack, Craig and Jack Barden. They just did a uh, at the weekend a half marathon night run 
And I think uh, Jack just beat his brother Craig by a minute. <laughs> so um, they must they always have a bit of a battle, I think, those two. But uh, Craig just went and did the – and it's on YouTube. So if you type in Craig Tries, um, T-R-I-E-S, like he tries different things, he's done a really good video of it on um, on YouTube. Um, he did the Wendover Woods 50-mile ultra by Centurion, and basically it's five 10-mile loops. Um, and you start, uh, I think they start sort of mid late morning ish. So you run into the night. It took him, uh, 11 hours, 28 minutes to do 83.34 K 3000, uh, 300 meters of elevation. So it's a fair old yeah. bit of climbing. And I watched the video. There's a couple of like nasty hills in it, but they, there's only, I think a, I think he said like a, two square mile woods but the way that they run the loop back on yourself and round and that it ends up being 10 miles so it's a good little idea you get used to the course and you look well marked you know you get lost uh, when you get to the dark but 83 kilometers in 11 hours so well done 11 and a half hours yep plenty of stuff and, still happening and um we've got to give a local legend this week to paul gawley as he took out the Petrie Park Run course record oh. uh, on Saturday just gone 16.10 or 16.11. Um, what was it? I'm not sure what. I think he took about 20 seconds off the record. What did he? Oh. But it's a, it's a really hilly, tough park run, that. So he's on fire, mate. Then And GC50 is this weekend, and you've he's got to be one of the favourites for sure. Uh, no, uh, next weekend after that. Is it? Yeah, the fourth. Oh, oh. Fourth and fifth, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I will check sure. that. But um, yeah, he's um definitely in good shape for that. So that'll be interesting. Saw um new Bowker at um North Lakes yep. Park Run. She's running the G C fifty as well. She for anyone who doesn't know, she's a um a masters female masters running legend. She's just unreal. She just I think she's in her fifties. She's recently run a two fifty five marathon. Um, so she's going for the over fifties course Australian record at the GC fifty. Nice. So good luck for that one. New when I seen her at North Lake, she just finished the thirty two k run. So she's not hanging around. She's doing she's doing all the hard work. Yeah. Can... Anything else you want to chat about before we roll oh, into the interview? Sort of give, let, let's give her John Rose. We always. Uh, give john a shout out now and then um Mate, we'll get him on over over the christmas break we'll have a good chat to john yeah um now they've had a different remembrance day well they did it sunday the two days after so we had it remembrance day sunday here in australia but anyway it seems to have been done the 13th in the uk because it was on the friday the 11th but he did the remembrance day durham run and eight 7k loops he did 57.58 um kilometers in five hours 39 so that's a cracking time good yeah I don't know what good the elevation run. is i'll have to check uh he got third he stopped for two minutes silence as well at 11 a.m he got third place oh so wow. well done mate it's um so a cracker of a cracker of a run that one Let's just see if I show the elevation here. Uh, I was only 132 meters, so that's a that's a great that'd be a great course to do. Um, yeah, so good little. I don't know if it was on the race track. It looks like it might be on a race track, maybe. 
we have to get John on. And uh, but, um, yeah, I'm just looking eight, at it now on Strava. Well seven eight fifty. Yeah, there's a seven k loop. He's done eight of them, which is um, I quite like the idea of loop loop runs. You know, it's like the mountain biking used to be loops. Unless you um, can't get like once that. you know the course, you can't get lost. Yeah, see, you just keep running. Yeah, just go for it. Um, so um, yeah, that's something I was toying with with um, Trek to Health. We're doing a doing like a fifty k do loops of Anogra Reservoir. I think you do six of them would give you a fifty-two k. That's yeah. a hilly one too. Yeah, that would be that would be a bit of a kicker in the, the hills because it's two hundred odd meters of elevation every every lap and stuff. So anyway, we haven't really got much racing come out other than the Gold Coast fifty. Um, but just training until. Um, are you going to enter the dust till dawn? You going to do the fifty? Yeah, I was talking to That'd Matt this morning about that. I think I'll do There's that. There's a twenty-five on as well. No, I think I'll do the 50. Yeah. Make a big um, deal of it, train up for it properly, you know. It'd be good training for the Gold Coast because yeah. Gold Coast would be four months after that. Carry that Something strength like through, eh? Yeah, so well, I'm in for the 100. Oh, you're entered. Yeah, I'm in. I'm the only entrant hey, at the moment in the 100K. With the course, is it bitumen or gravel? No, it's like a you know, like a cinder track because it's yeah. the, it should be. It should be the if you go to any sort of um uh like showground, they have that cindery kind of track which they sort of you know do your parade round. Yeah, so like I'm the, thinking they do the might, trots and that on it. It might be on that, and it might. I don't know if that'll make it a full kilometer. It might have. Do you imagine a four hundred meter track size of that? So I think it might go out and around a little bit, but yeah. I, I don't don't hold me to it. But it should all be lit. You won't need a head torch. I yeah, think that's yeah. the idea of it. They run it on, so it's big enough. So let's hope. Um, we'll, we'll, um, I guess you I couldn't just find take, any photos of it. Take a selection of shoes out there and just pick the best ones for the terrain. Yeah, I think I think you'd, most people even, even when it was at uh, um, the historic village, it was that cindery sort of track. People were just running in their road shoes. Road shoes, yeah. 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 So whatever, sort of longevity but i reckon i might i reckon i would probably put me um alphas on yeah if it was if it was like gravel that wasn't too bad i'd probably i'd probably be wearing yeah. alphas too i do i think i'd just try and get away from the alphas yeah just uh just for the extra speed they just give you oh well let's roll into the interview yep enjoy, enjoy this one team. thanks for listening guys we'll um we'll be back next week hopefully with the full Full house, Full house again. Yeah. Wicked. Enjoy the interview. Thanks, guys. Uh, welcome to the show, Aiden Hobbs. Great to have you with us, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Nathan. Mate, you're a regular winner of most of the local running events around Brisbane. You regularly travel around Australia in uh, some of the elite races. You've recently returned from the World Mountain Running Championships in Thailand. We'll um we'll get stuck into that a bit later. I might just whiz through um, some of your PBs for the listeners just so they can sort of get their head around the caliber of um, runner you are. You've got um pretty impressive range from sort of all distances. Like you've you've run one fifty nine for eight hundred, and um correct me if I'm wrong here because I'm only going off the World Athletics website. Um, 353 for 1500, 813 for 3k, 1415 for 5k, 
30.29 for 10K, 66 minutes for the half, 2.20 for the full. Like you're pretty, you're all over it from the shorter distances to the longer distances. And now you've yeah, done those... the, uh, the mountain running stuff like all over it, mate. Yeah, those are all um, yeah, pretty much spot on. The only one that's not on there yet um, was the 10K I did down in Lonnie. Um, that was uh, 29.26, so the first time I got under 30. Um, oh, smashed it. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that run. Got um, There was a, a good group of guys. Launceston seems to be that the sort of race where everyone from all around Australia just converges together because they know that it's just going to be fast and get dragged along. So Is it track or road? This is on the road, yeah. Right, right, this is right. 10K, yeah. But you just kind of um, get get into a good bunch and, uh, yeah, you get dragged along um, to some pretty quick times down there. These hard, these 10K road races, aren't they? Because I see Liz McColgan's time got revoked because they measured the course again. It was 150 metres short. So you'd be like, Christ, you'd, someone would be getting their ass kicked for that, wouldn't they? Devastating. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's just the sort of thing that happens on the road, I guess, you know. Um yeah, some things working. Sometimes things work in your favour. Other times things don't. Um, that sixty-six that you mentioned, the half marathon, that was the the um, Sydney half uh, earlier this year, and uh, it was a race sort of between. Well, Ed Goddard was up front. He was way off. Um, didn't have a chance of catching him. And uh, it was me and Benny Saint. Um, so Ben St Lawrence, we were sort of battling the whole way along, and. It got down to the last K and I thought I'd dropped him and uh, he got managed to get back on and we had this final 500 metre kick down to the finish line and uh, I managed to just scrape away from him and gapped him by a few metres in the end. But when we looked at the results, I had my watch, I stopped it at 59.59, oh, sorry, 65.59 and I thought, oh, I'm just under that. That's under the official results came back and I was um, 66 flat and he had exactly the same time. And we worked out afterwards. Um, we were told you have to have your, your timing chip was on a number that we were supposed to put on our backs. Um, I put mine on my back. Benny Saint had his on his front. And uh, mm -hmm. because of that, I think I lost a bit of time. He probably gained a bit of time and um, yeah, that cost me the, the sub 66. Oh, it's behind. <laughs> have you Mate. done a full marathon on the road Aiden? yeah yeah i've done um gold coast the last couple of years um oh. 2208 uh, uh this year and um had a go at sydney marathon but um yeah that probably wasn't the best i sort of jumped in with reese edwards and we were sort of together for the first uh probably not the fastest uh marathon, is it no yeah it's pretty there's a few hills in there a few sort of turns and things and it was pretty much just me and Reese running together. And as soon as he um, gapped me, I was kind of running solo and um, had a few sort of tummy issues, had a couple of cramps with nutrition and things and basically just, uh, yeah, battled to get to the finish line in the end. But managed to hold on for third in the Australian champs still. So it was yeah, great. Too yeah, they called it late, didn't they? They called the Australian champs like a week out before. So I think that was what made a lot of people rush to... Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it's um, it's just one of those things, really. I guess uh, if we want to make sure that we're uh, getting good numbers together, we we need to make sure that we sort of give plenty of notice and announce it early on, and get the get the race calendars organised so that yeah. yeah knows what everyone else is doing. But you know, I guess we can kind of learn from that, and hopefully, don't do the same thing again next it year. It doesn't. The marathon itself doesn't get that many runners, does it? Like the people are going, oh, if they 
add it into the majors, but you only get like six, 7,000 people do it. So it's just, I don't think, um, I think they'd have to make it a faster course. And uh, I've had other people saying, you know, that make less, less of those sharp turns, miss a few of the iconic areas of, of Sydney as such, but uh, to make it a yeah. better, flatical, more attractable. But then it, it, it's a long way to come internationally for people. So yeah, that's it. I, I think with the world majors, I mean, there's a few in there that aren't sort of like on the fastest course, but they're pretty iconic. Um, and I don't yeah, think New York. necessarily it's, yeah. yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a bit of a slower course, but um, if it's like the Australian championships, um, when we're talking about selection for some of the major races, uh, there's a, an increasing focus on making sure now that we're getting um, fast times for the ranking points because there's going to be less athletes selected on times and more athletes selected on ranking points. And when there's those bonus points attached to the Australian and Oceania champs, we really need to make sure that those races connect to the, the faster courses. So yeah. we guys yep. the best chance of, of selection. And that's yeah. it. When you talk about track track, because like Steve and I grew up with, um, you know, doing track and field and then cross country. Um, I don't know if you've ever come across my older brother, Spencer Barden. He runs the, um, does all the elites for the uh, London marathon. And uh, yeah, you might get a phone call from him to, uh, to, to, to be in there at some point, I think with the, the, your times you're getting. Um, the, the thing is when you run on a track, you, you can select on time, can't you? You know, but if you're running like road races, say a marathon, the, the sort of the flattest, fastest course is the one that's going to give you the, if you go off time, is going to give you the better chance of getting selected, say for the Olympics or Commonwealth Games. But um, yeah, that's what sort of makes it, the course can really make a difference to, you know, unless you yeah. say, right, we're going to go on time and position in this specific race. You've got to be in it if you want to get selected, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you could do something similar to say like the, um, the US selection trials where it's kind of, yeah, everyone just comes together and runs the one race and uh, the results is determined sort of from that one outcome. But yeah, if, uh, making sure that if we're doing selection based on rankings, then uh, making sure that everyone's there, that we've got good numbers so as that uh, you've got good packs to, to really wind up, like good pace as well, wind up the pace make sure the the temperatures are going to be good on the day. So it's not going to be sort of ridiculous yeah. or humid, nice flat course. And um, yeah, hopefully the rest leave it up to the athletes to just yeah. get out on the road. So you've done, you've really got in some of the mountain running and trail running as well. So what is your, do you have like a favorite, do you prefer road to trail or you just like a bit of this like a 50, 50 and, and uh, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself maybe going through those, better times in the road marathon or do you think you might really push some of these you know longer endurance trail race stuff yeah i don't know i guess um i kind of like having the ability to to do it all um sort of jack of all trades maybe master of none but uh i really enjoy having the ability to get out on the track and run fast um the 15 is a really fun tactical race it's fast and furious so, before you realized it's kind of started but just the adrenaline of um yeah running fast i think is uh it's fun um it's enjoyable but then also getting out and into the marathon where you've got to spend a lot more of your effort in running smartly conserving your energy and um 
yeah, sort of recognizing that the race doesn't really begin until sort of that 30k mark. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's different things that I enjoy about the different types of races, like the 1500, the steeplechase as well, is one of probably one of my favorite events. Um, but you know, I guess that's one of the philosophies of um, Pat Clahessy, he's my um, the, the coach of our squad. Uh, his idea of um, really making a well-rounded athlete that has the ability to do it all, that's kind of built into our training. So even though I'm training for the marathon, you know, I'll still get out there and be doing uh, 300 and 200 meter reps around the track with the guys just to help build that core strength, build the, um, the technique. And, uh, you know, it pays off as well. Like I mentioned before that race uh, that I had with Benny Saint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The half is that if you, if it comes down to it at the end, you need to be able to kick down a gear. You can, um, yeah, you can fight a good fight when it comes down to the finishing straight. Mate, just on that note, just winding it back a bit. How did you get started running? Like what, what age and like, how did you find running? Uh, probably in primary school. I used to just do the, the school athletics carnival, the school cross country carnival. And I went pretty well um, in those, like I probably finished sort of maybe third or fourth in those. And uh, I was, I, I think I just really enjoyed being able to see the reward of pushing yourself and then getting a result at the end of it that kind of um, resonated with me and I wanted to find out how I could go about getting better so I asked the other guys about like because they did little athletics and I asked them and they were a bit hesitant to tell me I think they were a bit worried that if I started doing start beating them so uh, mum signed me up for little athletics and um, you know she'd bring me along every Saturday morning and uh, would volunteer on a committee and just from there I guess so had, um, I had a coach who was um, just locally. Uh, she lives around the corner from my parents still. and She kind of took me under her wing and gave me uh, sessions and I would sort of diligently listen, follow like what she would uh, have planned for. Who is that? Sessions. Uh, Linda Nylon was her name. So she was a local club coach at Prospect Little Athletics Club down in Sydney. And um, yeah, so she, I think also she had a, keep me engaged and motivated so she'd give me like little certificates and you know things to recognize when I'd broken a PB or you know, attended consistently and and that sort of thing so that probably yeah, just ingrained in me this uh, if you apply yourself and you do it consistently and you start to see improvements then uh, you know, if you do that for long enough you'll start to see some good results. So Aiden uh, what club are you with at the moment? I'm with in training Rain Triathlon Club. So in training, they've got a store over at uh, Toulon. They do a podiatry clinic, physio clinic. Um, they've got the shoe store, the running store as well. But they've also got a running club, and uh, it's yeah, it's like a, a social club, um, uh, open to all abilities, all interests. They do like a marathon school there as well, so they kind of run you through the basics of if you're interested in getting into running kind of like the catch to 5k type approach. So they talk you through all of the, um, the theoretical stuff, but also helping you prepare both with your training, your nutrition, injury prevention, shoes, all that sort of stuff. So in have- fact, I, I used to ride with the smiling for Smitty gang and I, we used to bump into a lot of the in-training guys out riding, you know, like, hmm. 
with a loop and and uh, whatnot. I, I know there's a couple of nice bikes hanging on the wall behind you. There is. That, do you do a bit of triathlon, or have you done, or do you like to ride a bit? Yeah, so I've got a couple of Colnagos. Um, that's sort of what. Are they I'm... Steelies? Is that still fine? Yeah. Uh no, they're not. They're just uh, just after the steel era. So the one on the top there is a Colnago Dream. Um, that one's from I think 1999 in the team uh, Lamprey colours. So the blue and carbon. They both carbon. Uh, carbon forks on them, but then yep. they're alloy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. And the one on the bottom is 2002, I think. So it's a Colnago Asso. But I used to work in a bike shop when I was at school, so I picked up a few sort of bike mechanic skills, and that's stayed with me just as a hobby. I fix oh, up yeah. for a bit of fun. So. I ride a titanium. Um, I've got a Van Nicholas titanium with carbon forks, and that thing is bulletproof. Nice. Yeah, I bounced that off the um, Cunningham Highway, I think, coming into about 80Ks out of Blackwater. And, mm. uh, yeah, it just uh, – Everything was fine except the front wheel, but um, yeah, they're nice to climb on. The old, uh, oh, I've yeah. had a number of carbons, and uh, but uh, yeah, the um, the uh, you can't go wrong with a titanium if they're, if they're welded well, then yeah, they, they really yeah. do give a give you a lot back when you're right when you're climbing. So, you train, um, you run for in training, but you're coached by Pat Clohesse. Like, Pat Clohesse's been around for, for years, hasn't he? Like. He used to coach um, an old mate of mine, Peter Knoll. Do you, you, have you ever heard of Peter Knoll? You yeah, know Peter yeah, no, Knoll? I used, yeah, I used to run with Pete. So um, yeah. when I first moved up to Brisbane in 2006, uh, I I used to work at another running store, The Run In, and um, that was uh, owned and run by Phil Hungerford, who does the Bribey Try series. And uh, I worked for, their, uh, for Phil for uh, maybe a year or so, and then, um, started working with um, uh, with Steve and Margot Manning at the shop um, at in training there. And whilst I was doing a bit of work there and I did a bit of coaching and um, Steve helped me out with a bit of uh, training uh, training programs for a while there as well. But I did a lot of my track work out at UQ and um, at the time Pat had a squad out there and I just yeah, jumped in with them and Pete Knoll was there. So um those that don't know, Pete Knoll, Olympic steeplechaser, one of um, yeah, Brisbane's top all-time uh, distance runners. So it was, uh, yeah, really good experience just to be able to run in that squad with them. And, uh, yeah, they sort of helped give me a better understanding of um, yeah, what it takes to, to really push yourself and excel in the sport of athletics. And are you, are you, do you work in training? Uh, I used to, yeah, but not oh, any- okay. I was there from about 2007 to 2009, but uh, I was I moved up to Brisbane originally to do podiatry, and that's kind of what brought me into the, the shop there. Uh, I was practicing podiatry up in Mount Isa for about three years and then moved down to Longreach, um, did some work down there. And uh, when I moved back to Brisbane, I moved into a health service planning role. So not doing any clinical work now, but I work for a checkup and we coordinate health outreach services across Queensland. Well, I've been to Longreach. The uh, airport is literally is a, like a metal tin shed. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. the home of, uh, or the shared home of Qantas. We've got the Qantas Museum there. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah. very old airport there. Sorry, Aiden. going back to um, Peter Knoll, I used to run with Pete oh, when I was, I moved from uh, England to Australia. So when I sort of first got to Australia, probably, and uh, one thing I remember about Pete is that he was a powerhouse. Like we used to do sled pulling and stuff like that. We 
I think we used to run for Athletics North at the time and um, I could barely pull the sled along the grass and we used to put weights on on Pete's sled and he used to just go and just, he was an, he was an animal. Yeah, he was a monster in training. We used to do, um, yeah, like the 300 and 200 metre reps on the track and we'd all be in lane one and he would set up hurdles in lane three and he'd still come past us while jumping over the hurdles. Two lanes out from us, wow. so he yeah. was a monster. Well, we did a um, I back in 2009, we were doing some run throughs and um, or like sprints on the grass, and we were all like the squad itself was really competitive, like there was a lot of last rep hero type stuff, people sort of battling to, to get mm. over at the end. And I was in a bit of a battle with Pete at the time in a sprint, and uh, I took I took a step and hit like a pothole or something and ended up tearing my hamstring. So that put oh, me out. No. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, it was good fun training with, um, with Pete and, and Scott. Yeah. Mate. So what's a typical, like, I mean, most of our listeners, they're just park runners and that's kind of what we're banging the drum for. We just want to try to get people interested in running and get fit and healthy and stuff. So when you're sort of talking sub 15 minutes for um, a park run, like that's super quick for, the, for just the average person. But like, what's a, an average week of training look like for you? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, no, I'm all about getting more people active and uh, involved in park run and things. So I share your philosophy there. Yeah. Uh, when I first came back to Brisbane, um, you know, I was pretty unfit at the time and had to really gradually build up. So, what I'm doing now, um, like the last couple of years, it's taken me probably about five years to gradually build to. Like I did my first park run back from Longreach and I was absolutely thrashing myself. And I think I got 1856 um, up at Petrie Park Run. So from there, I yeah, just gradually started building up my mileage, like just doing um, a couple of sessions a week and maybe doing a, an easy jog in between. Um, a lot of time on the bike though, so um, non-weight bearing stuff. And uh, yeah, each year I've sort of gradually progressed to the point now where I'm trying to aim towards about 160K a week. Um, the next marathon that I build towards, I want to try to move up to maybe around about the 180K a week. Uh, but a, a usual week for me would be um, Monday, uh, I'll go for an easy jog in the morning for an hour. And then 45 minutes easy jog in the afternoon. Then Tuesday, uh, easy jog for probably about 30 to 40 minutes in the morning. And then session in the afternoon. And Tuesdays are our hill session. So we go out to UQ, uh, we do a 5K warm up, uh, get on the hill and do usually four by three laps of uh, this hill loop, which is about 500 meters around. That includes an up, across, down, and across with about two minutes recovery between. So in total, it's about between six and seven kilometres and then a 5K cool down. Wednesday is the midweek long run. So Even, even the cool down is pretty big, 5K. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, I guess it's kind of, they all add up too. To yeah, yeah. Build up that weekly mileage. Um, the Wednesday, then I usually do about 20K midweek long run in the morning. Um, I'm going to try to start building that up, though, maybe move up towards sort of around the 25K. Uh, and then in the afternoon, usually I'll do just like an easy jog, maybe 30 to 40 minutes. Then Thursday, uh, get out for about 30 minutes easy jog in the morning. And then it's usually track. Um, so 
our staple track session is usually four by uh, four by 300, four by 200 with um, just a jog, easy jog recovery between each. And that's the 5K warm up, 5K cool down again. Friday, same as Monday, just easy hour in the morning and then easy 40 minutes in the afternoon. Saturday, usually a uh, tempo run. So we do 5K warm up, tempo, sort of around about maybe 7K and then 5K cool down. Either that or go for a park run course record, depends on. <laughs> Uh, and then Sunday long run. So yeah, sort of maybe 30K, 35K for the Sunday and then yeah, just recovery in the afternoon. So on that track session, when you're doing the twos and the threes, are you flat stick or are you pretty much? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We, it depends on um, where we're up to in the season, how sort of fit we are. But um, yeah, there's been sessions where we'd sort of hit 42, maybe 41s on those 300s. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, sort of 28, maybe drop down to 26 by the end of the 200s. Yeah, quick. Are you wearing spikes for that? Yeah, usually spikes. Yeah. Yeah. Did I, am I, I'm, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw on your Instagram that you were putting a spike plate on a pair of next percent. Was that you? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. the when the 4% uh, first came out uh, and being a podiatrist as well, we kind of pick up a few tricks with footwear modification and orthotic fabrication and things. So I thought it would be cool to get a stick, a pair of um, spike plates on the top of a four percent. And yeah, I was using them in training pretty regularly. You'd love that, Nate. Yeah, you want to change them. shoes, don't you? And that oh, I, I want to put a trowel sole on a pair of. Kaanos, Asics gel Kaanos. Yeah, right. Okay. Because I, I love running in them and I just want to put a trail sole on them. I just love, they'd just be perfect. I don't know why they, they try and, you know, a lot of these companies, they get a decent road shoe and then they try and make a trail shoe, but they just throw everything else out the window they've just used to make you a great trail shoe. And the people say, oh, you don't need the control in the thing. But the thing is, then they get the foam all wrong and then the gel's mm-hmm. different and everything else. And then they really hurt your feet. I thought, I just want a trail, trail sole on a pair of Okay, Arnos, thanks very much. So I can someone else just do it for me. Well, um, I when I was preparing for the World Mountain Running Champs, I uh, one of the guys that I trained with, Gus Gannon, he works it in training. He said, "Oh, we've just got this new shipment of Sorconi Endorphin Edge shoes that have come in," and he said that they're basically exactly the same as the Endorphin Pro. So they've got the PBAX midsole, so the super foam. Um, they've got the carbon plate as well. So they're basically a super shoe for the trail. And I thought, okay, I'm all about that. Being a road runner, um, that's what I'm used to. So I'll give those a go. Um, I did find though that I've got a pair of the Brooks Catamounts and they are similar to their um, kind of their racer trainer. Um, I can't remember the name of the shoe um, that they've got. It's got like nitrogen. Hyperion? Yeah, that's the one, the yeah, Hyperion. Yeah. Same midsole. Um, so it's like a nitrogen-infused um, midsole. And uh, I've been using those, and they're quite good. They're slightly heavier than the uh, the Endorphin Edge. But I gave the Endorphin Edge a go, and I found that they were probably um, not as not as good traction uh, on some of the real loose uh, um, loose grounds. But mm. it's... It's very different, yeah, getting onto the trails. You, there's all these things that you don't think about that you think, oh, you know, just a fast shoe. But 
it's actually you need something that's not you're not going to end up sliding down. Yeah. yeah. I've got I run in the uh, North uh, Face uh, Vective Endurers too. Uh, but the lugs are only about three mil. They could do just being a little bit long because I love the shoe. It's got a nice bit of rocker in it. It's got TPU plate. They're pretty protective. They're nicely cushioned. It just, they just could, you, on the loose stuff you do, you mm-hmm. can slide a bit. Yeah, yeah. But um, other than that, they are a great shoe. So, mate, how was the um, the world mountain running champs in Thailand? How was it? Yeah, it was, um, well, I don't know. It was interesting. It was good. It probably wasn't my best race. Um, well, definitely wasn't my best race, but um, the experience was phenomenal. Uh, to be a part of the Australian team, to go over and uh, you know wear the Australian uniform, they did a full opening ceremony, which was just spectacular. They filtered us all into this, um, this old town square in Chiang Mai, and they uh, did all the official speeches, the opening, and then they launched these fireworks off the building. Uh, probably, I don't know, the safety standards over there were probably a little <laughs> yeah. We were all standing like in this really small space and they've just launched these fireworks straight over our heads. So we're looking up and then all of a sudden, like these fireworks all start raining down on us and things. And, um, but no, it was, yeah, that was good fun. Um, the race itself, so... Uh, I was selected for the 40k short trail race. Um, so it was yeah 40 kilometers with approximately 2,700 meters elevation. Uh, we got to go out and do a quick um, recce of the course. Uh, I only did so the, the course itself was started at the exhibition center about a kilometer from the base of the mountain. So you're running on the road uh, to get to the base and then you start going up. You run up to the top of the mountain, which is probably about maybe eight to nine kilometers in. Then there's an aid station based on the top. You run over the other side of the mountain down to the bottom. Um, and again, it's like about nine kilometers descent. Um, and then you kind of wrap around and you pretty much just run straight back up the other side of the mountain. And then um, to finish off, you come back through that same checkpoint feed station. Um, start to head down towards the bottom, but then they turn you around and you have to run right back up to the top again and then back down to finish. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, it was... yeah, I've been to Chiang Mai. I spent a couple of weeks out there and then went with Jay, who's uh, part of the um, the um, North Face team, and uh, we went mountain biking and road cycling out through there. And, yeah, it's pretty brutal. And plus, obviously, your altitude and then you go up to about 15 or even 1500 meters above sea level and that so the altitude uh is a bit of a kicker and depending on what time of year it is the, the humidity and everything but but it is beautiful out there hey right out there and up uh, up into the mountains yeah yeah i think we were pretty lucky humidity wise the humidity wasn't a problem but the heat did start to get um get to us towards the end they did have uh drink stations out uh probably maybe every 10 kilometers and they were just lifesavers. They, in the middle of the forest, in the middle of nowhere, they'd lugged out these big eskies. So they had this endless supply of cold, ice cold water. And I found myself just, yeah, dumping bottles over um, whenever yeah. I And we had um, Aaron Knight was our team manager. And he was up there with a couple of the other guys, um, partners of some of the other um, athletes in the team. And 
they the support that they gave us was just incredible um you're know, coming through the feed station and they've just got everything ready prepared for you and uh it was starting to get really hot and one of the fellas in the team um he works or he owns um th um like underwear and they make other sort of um, other things like running specific stuff for trails and they had these neck uh cooler things which you could pour ice cubes into and they could see that I was doing it pretty tough in that heat. So they've just grabbed this ice thing, put it around my neck and I've taken off. And it was only yeah, the next five kilo kilometers that I realized how important that was because it, um, yeah, it just uh, cooled me down as I was heading back down the mountain, which was yeah, quite nice. Yeah. And so you came um, 52nd, I think I saw on, on the results. Yeah. So it was about 84 finishes. Um, uh, looking at the start list before, it's really hard to tell where I was going to be in the field. Looking at some of the the times the other guys had over like the flat distances, you know, on the track, it's pretty straightforward. You go to their World Athletics profile and you go, oh, yep, that's what they run over these distances. This is what their recent form is. This is where I should be within the field. But then um, on the trails, that like it doesn't exist. I, I think they've got the... Um, the ITRA scores, which is like the International Trail Running Association. Yeah, ITRA. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was kind of looking at those, but I'm I'm not really familiar with how they work. So I'm trying to work out where where, I, where I'd be approximately. And um, at the start, it was on the so the first kilometer we probably ran at about three nineteen pace, and for a marathon that was pretty like that was on par with where I thought I should be and. I was sort of in the lead group and positioned myself not at the front, but sort of probably, um, yeah, maybe around 10th to 12th. And I felt comfortable going up. And then we uh, went off this big rock drop off and I landed and then took a step and then hit a rock. And because of the momentum, I just went over on my ankle and it, um, I ended up spraying, I think, because I got to the finish line and it just swelled up like a balloon. But yeah, after that, I just lost all stability. Um, so on the descent, just uh yeah i had to really protect it but you know as i'm going down and sort of running cautiously everyone else is just banging it straight down yeah yeah you know i learned so much in that race i thought you know my fitness i should be able to come away with a reasonable result based on you know what i thought i'd be in terms of uh, compared to all the other runners but it's just so different um having the ability to run below your threshold like sort of below that red line consistently to get up the mountain whilst keeping your momentum up and not sort of breaking into a wall but then when you get to the other side and you start descending uh they just throw themselves down like there were sections where i thought i probably need a face helmet here it was uh, <laughs> it got pretty sketchy it's pretty crazy yeah. out there and um the um and the altitude as well i sort of like really sort of like you just red line in the hole the whole way and just uh yeah i did it when i went to the alps and um mm. back in august and it was like a thousand meters above sea level start and it wasn't until i started running all of a sudden my heart rate is like i think i spent the whole 23k in the 170s in the 180s you know it was just just my heart rate was just through the roof so it's um yeah i feel yeah. the pain it's definitely given me a much greater respect i think for um just how technical the trails are uh I, I really just didn't have any concept of um, of what would be involved. You know, at the end there, I said, oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm, that was such a, a difficult race. I'm not, I'm not going to do trails again. But then after that, 
you know, I kind of went, well, I feel as though I've got unfinished business here. And I think that I could do well, but in order to do well, you really need experience. I think you, you need to know what it takes to be able to run well on the uphills, to run well on the downhills, to be able to conserve effort when you need to, but then also to be able to kind of unleash when you've got like a bit of open descent. Yeah. Well, so. How did you go I, about getting selected for the team? Go to Chiang Mai. Yeah, well, um, this year, is, it was a bit different. Um, so previously, I think it was run directly through the, well, the World Mountain Running Association and the International Trail Running Association. I think they kind of host their own um, world championships. But this year, there was a press release announcement that World Athletics were going to come on board. And, and I guess the aim of that partnership, that collaboration, was to raise the profile of World Mountain Running um, you know, it is a part of athletics and um, World Athletics wanted to ensure that uh, they were able to provide the support to help raise it to the next level. So as part of that, Athletics Australia have now become involved in the selection for the race. So they're part of the, the selection committee. They've, they announced the, um, the nomination process, um, the selection criteria. So this year there was two um, or probably maybe three criteria Um uh, one, they had selection trials at the uh, Australian Mountain Running Championships. Now, I missed those because that was when I ran my 10K, um, the 29-26 down at Launceston. It was on the same day. Uh, but then subsequently, they announced that a secondary selection trials would be held uh, in conjunction with the Australian Cross Country Championships. Um, and then finally, also, when you're putting your nomination in, you have to nominate um, a similar uh, races where you've performed that are, I guess, a similar difficulty or intensity to the race that you're nominating for. So as part of that, I put down um, the Brisbane Trail Ultra that I'd run last year and this year. So um, there are, I guess, there's a few more details in terms of the, the nomination and selection criteria and things. They're on the Athletics Australia website, but... Um, yeah, I'd really encourage everyone to you know have a look at it, and if it's if trail running's of interest to you, um, look at the criteria. And mm -hmm. there's um, there were a few empty spots on the team this year, and I think if we get a few more nominations, then uh, yeah, there's a potential that you know, a chance to get on the team to compete for Australia. So it's definitely worth looking at. Cool. Yeah, the um, I think because of with the Olympics in 2032 here in Brisbane. I think they're looking to try and get some sort of trail running in uh, distance in the um, Olympics. So I would mm. think that then with World Athletics coming on board, that they might sort of heighten it to a level where, yeah, you know, that we can, can could get it there. So yeah, we have to see. When yeah, you... well, trail running has really grown the last couple of years. I mean, it's just become such a huge thing. When you said World Athletics are getting involved, I was thinking, yeah, it's probably about time they started like drugs testing some of these trail runners, eh? Cause there's no, like, mm. there's no governing body checking or, you know, it's huge in America. And they reckon that like heaps of them guys are just gassing up. Need to get, is it VADA or seen... WADA on board? Yeah. 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 I have seen, there was been a couple of announcements with like their world series that they've got that um, as part of that, there's, yeah, requirements around drug testing and, and things. So testing sort of the top finishes, but also like doing random selections through the fields. It's yeah, it's a critical part of yeah, ensuring that we maintain it's a cost involved, isn't it, for the organizer? If the organizer yeah. wants to say, okay, we're gonna drug test the top three, well, 
then you've got and i i work in the the pharmaceutical industry and doctors tell me about that they have to actually now if they're doing drug tests for people on just who work on the mines, they actually have to stand and watch. You said, because some of the stories they tell you about what they do to try and get round it, not being their own urine that they put in a, in the cup. It is just absolutely like, you just like mind boggling. So um, mm. yeah, it's uh, it would be quite easy to get round one. If you went, okay, just go and pee in that pot for me in the toilet. You know, you could, you could give it to anyone to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah it makes it difficult. Well, as, um, as part of the Australian team, we had to complete a number of online modules. So through um, the uh, Sports Integrity Unit, uh, they've got these online learning modules around things like um, well, like gambling within sport as well. That was another one. Gambling, yeah. As, yeah. Yeah, like the AFL story came out a couple of weeks ago. With, um, yeah. yeah, so... We had to do a module for that, had to do a module around, um, uh, yeah, drugs in sport. So particularly around just knowing what things that you're putting in your body. Like, so with supplements, uh, making sure that, um, you know, they recommend really with all supplements, it's it's a huge risk, whatever you yeah. take. But there are some which have um, like industry testing where they'll sort of batch sample and things. And I guess mm. that's kind of reducing the probability, but, um, you know, with anything, I guess if it's sort of on you made in the same factory as something else, which isn't on the, um, permitted list, then yeah, it's a real risk. You, you need to make sure that you're understanding exactly what you're putting in your body, because as an athlete, you're responsible for anything that shows up. Yeah. It can be made in the same silo as like some pre-workout powder that's you know got loads of illegal stuff in it and it's not being washed out properly and then bang you popped for something that you didn't even know you you've ingested so mate what's like next really for you like for the rest of the year it's like pretty hot there's nothing really to sort of aim at but what's your sort of future goals short term yeah, well, last season I was really focused on the steeplechase and did a lot of uh, yeah, travelled around to all the track classics and really enjoyed that. That was good fun. Uh, over winter, I was trying to have a crack at getting my marathon time down. And, you know, after the World Mountain Running Championships, I didn't really have anything planned. I just thought, well, we'll just take it as it comes and see what happens. I've been on for a pretty long time. Like I haven't really had an off season or a break. Um, a lot of my downtime has just been opportunistic through either getting sick or slight niggles or just recovery after a race. So I thought I'll do the, the mountain running championships and just kind of relax, enjoy my time, enjoy myself, um, and then work it out from there. Um, I said I'd probably never do trail run again, but then you know, afterwards I'm kind of like, well, actually, now I've got to finish business. So at this stage, what I'm looking at is probably head down to Canberra for the Australian selection trials for the world's cross country championships that are in Bathurst this year. So that's oh. the 10th of January, I think. So mid January. And then um, Bathurst is mid February and they've got a, a golden ticket race down there. So the top, I think it's the top seven across the line will get a start in the actual world championship event the following day. So that sounds fun. It's sort of right up my alley, just uh, you've got to be in it to win it. So I'll give yeah, that a go. Cool. Uh, they've also got a master's race down there as well. So being 36, I'm eligible for that. So I might have a crack at that. 
Then after that, maybe six foot track. Um, not sure yet. I think the entries open up for that in another week. So what's yeah, that maybe. six foot track? Yeah. So the six foot track is down in Sydney. It's or in the blue mountains. Um, it's, uh, now I, I don't know much about it. So don't, I'm probably not a good ambassador for the race, but, um, mm. it's about like 46 kilometers over pretty, uh, yeah, sort of mountainous terrain. Um, I think it runs from like a tomb through Janolan caves. It's sort of, um, yeah, around the blue mountains area, but my grand, my parents have got a house up in Blackheath. So it's, um, yeah, it's home for me, I guess that area. And, um, you know, a few pretty great runners have run it in the past and, uh, yeah, it'd be a good experience. So I thought I'll, maybe I'll put my name down for that. Cool. And, um, after six foot track, probably look at um, the next selection trials for the world mountain and trail running championships. I've heard some mentions that they may be doing a selection trial somewhere. Um, not confirmed yet. Maybe around April. Don't know. Maybe, yeah, around Tasmania. I'm not sure. Um, if it is, then yeah, I'd probably be interested in having a crack at that. And then um, uh, what's after that? Um, Gold Coast Marathon I do most years. They do a really great job, I think, of looking after domestic athletes. Um, it's just a great event to be a part of. So I want to try to get out and I'd like to do the marathon there, but um, I think the next World Mountain Running and, and Trail Running Championships are in Innsbruck in uh, Austria, and they're, I think, in June. So if I do those, I may be pushing it a bit tight to um, yeah. to stretch it out to get a marathon, like a good marathon effort in yeah, four weeks later, or like probably even like three weeks later. Are you going to, are you going to, what are you going to uh, try for the Olympics 2024 for a distance? What do you think? Steeplechase or? Uh, no, I think uh, I'm, uh, I can admit that I'm probably not going to be on that level. Um, you know, the guys that get to the Olympics are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, it's, it's an honor to be able to line up against some of them in a lot of the domestic races, but, uh, yeah, I think to get a qualification for the Olympics is probably going to be a bit out of reach for me. Um, I'm really motivated to push myself to see what I can do. Um, you know, to, to stretch my limits and to be able to keep knocking off my personal bests across each of the, the times and to get some good results on the board. But yeah, I think I'd be probably stretching to, to look at, at, yeah, either Commonwealth Games or Olympics is probably just a bit far. Unless they bring in one of them trail um, mountain yeah. races, then you might be right. Yeah, maybe. Never say never. <laughs> Well, I've still got to prove myself over the trail. I've had a couple of good runs at Brisbane Trail Ultra, but even that course I think is pretty tame. Um, when you look at the world-class level mountain trail running courses, they are just next level. Um, so I've got a lot of work to do, I think, if I want to be really competitive at a, at a world stage um, over that sort of event. How would you compare that um, that course to the one in Thailand, like the Brisbane Ultra Trail? Because that seems everyone says that's really, really difficult. You did the 30, didn't you, this year? Yeah, the 30. Well, it's 30K, but when you look at the course, you come out up at Barden uh, just after 20K, and the last 10K is it's on the road. On the road, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of undulations, but it's only really that first 20K that's trail. And even then, the trails going up Mount Kutha, 
they're fully runnable. And when I was training for the World Mountain Running Champs, I was doing similar trails on Mount Cooper. And they were all trails that I could gas myself um, running pretty quick, uh, still like maintaining good speed going up them. But when I went over to Chiang Mai for the World Mountain Running Champs, these were things that like I was using my hands to get up, like pulling myself up on trees and rocks and sliding down and things. You know, there's a handful of trails on Mount Kutha that give you that same sort of gradient. And I should have been training on those, but I just didn't know at the time. Did you, was you using poles at the, in Thailand? I didn't, but there were a fair few guys that did. Um, yeah. Cause you can, you can carry poles with you. And if um, you're allowed to hand them off at the aid station. So a couple of people did that, but you know, I, I didn't have poles, hadn't trained with them. So I wasn't going to try anything new on the day. Cause once you've got the poles, hold on to them until you can hand them off at the, um, the official aid station. Mate, what um, you probably don't want to make any bold predictions, but what do you reckon you can run for the marathon? What would be yeah. your goal, like realistic goal? Would you like to sort of go, God, I'd be a happy man if I went to my grave and I'd got that time? Well, if I'd run nine seconds faster, probably would have been happy with a sub 220. If I can run 220, under 220, that's that will be satisfaction for me. I, I, I can say, yeah, I don't have any unfinished business there. Uh, just the, the way that the race played out at Gold Coast, we um, we went through probably a minute slower than what we didn't in, with what we planned early on, and um, it turned into a bit of sort of cat and mouse because there was a, a pack of us and we were sort of testing each other towards the last 10k. And my final k was the fastest at Gold Coast, so I gave it everything to try to get under that to just kind of missed out. Um, I think that I'm definitely capable of sub 220 um, in the right race with the right bunch um if i do like a proper build for it i'd like to be somewhere around the 217 mark yeah go or if you can run 66 for the half surely that's possible yeah hopefully well that's the other thing too i'd like to have another crack at a fast half as well i mean that half that we ran it had it was three laps and each lap had at least five u-turns like 180 Uh, so um, it, it, it was like, there was a couple little hills, but it was, yeah, it probably wasn't the fastest half course. So the half, I've probably got to, um, take it, knock a bit of time off there as well. The, um, the Gold Coast, uh, marathon course, like Steve did it this year, first time I'm going to do it next year. Um, what, uh, how do you rate that with, uh, amongst like marathon courses you've done? I think it's like, it's pretty good, fast kind of course. Yeah, it, the only hill is like at the 30K mark. Um, it's uh, flat otherwise. It, it, there's a few, a few corners, but, you know, they're all, um, uh, yeah, pretty runnable. Uh, it's usually got a good field as well, so you can kind of sit into a good pace group. Definitely one of the – it probably would be, I'd say, the fastest marathon in Australia. And because the mm. – um, the start time back earlier, it means that you're not kind of running into that humidity and heat uh, as the day sort of plays on. So, uh, yeah, it's a good course to run fast on. Probably 5 a.m. kickoff, wasn't it, Steve? Was it 5 a.m.? Uh, 6 a.m. Yeah, 6 a.m. Oh, yeah, 6. Sorry, yeah, because it is dark. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, probably the only thing with the Gold Coast courses, there's a couple of little speed humps that's not a major issue, but there are a couple of pretty narrow roads that there's a fair bit of camber on. And because yeah. you, um, 
like they really it's a really narrow road and you have to run on one side on the way out and then on the other side on the way back you're kind of running on the side for a few k um not ideal but it's not it's not the worst either if you were giving someone uh any tips for um a marathon say or a half marathon a marathon what what uh what would be your no- number one like we've had people we've had sort of saying oh i didn't i didn't uh, a friend of ours mike uh or relative of steve he just did the london marathon and he didn't take enough water on at the start and it really mm-hmm. suffered in the last sort of sort of six uh six miles uh, what would what would be your number one tip for anyone doing a marathon well, probably my number one tip would be before you even get to the marathon, um, just making sure that you've got a good training base um, in because, you know, the better prepared you are, um, the less miserable it's going to be. Uh, it's, it'll be a much more enjoyable experience doing a marathon if you're going into it with a good training base. But then um, even, again, before you're doing the marathon, that carbohydrate loading, um, you know, the two two days before I think is really important just getting really good um uh yeah carbohydrates on board so one of my pre-race rituals like I'll eat sort of rice pretty regularly through the days before but um a lot of the time when I'm doing marathons I'm I'm away from home and quite often you have obligations with um like going to the pre-race briefing and um like you might be staying in a hotel so you might not have access to like a kitchen or things you usually have at home and um, there's a risk then that you might be away from food for like a long period of time, which is the opposite of what you really should be doing. So I usually will go to the supermarket or like a convenience store, get a loaf of bread and a squeeze bottle of honey. And I will just have them in my hand or in my bag and just carry them with me all day. So like I'll be sitting there in the race briefing, I can just grab my honey, bread, smash like a, uh, a sandwich, just consistently doing that throughout the day. Um, and also just having like staying hydrated the week before and um, uh, like little lollies and things the day before. During the race, um, yeah, probably just making sure that you run smart early on. Um, you know, I think you, you, a lot of people sort of talk about um, the first couple of kilometres because you're fresh, you've been tapered, you're um, the adrenaline of just getting out there with the field and, you know, if you're at the Gold Coast, um, Deke's just giving his big motivational speech, so your adrenaline's running high. Yeah. But just running, uh, it's running slow, effectively, just con- making sure you're conservative because if you intentionally do that, then it'll pull you back from, I guess, yeah, destroy. You, you can run your race within the first you know, five kilometres, mm-hmm. not careful, so making sure that you've got enough in the to be able to get you home at the end. Right. So many Thanks, people mate. do that, don't they, on the Gold Coast? You see them around 35K just walking and <laughs> laying on the ground holding their legs and stuff. I'll tell you, it's funny. You come across sometimes near the end, but when uh, we did Noosa 50, there was a guy at like the 9K mark, and he just looked easy stuff. He looked at me and said, oh, I'm done. I've gone. But I actually remember seeing him at uh i don't know later on in the race he'd actually i went past him coming the opposite way he looked like he'd recovered a bit but i just felt so sorry for him because at like eight or nine k his day was over and i thought oh he got 40 ahead of you mate he just he just did it was a warm morning though when it it was um but he just got off he just 
bolted off too well, too fast, you know, full of beans and uh, yeah. Yeah, come back, get it in it. And that's the great thing about the marathon as well, is that not only do you need to be prepared physically, um, you need to make sure that you've got good nutrition on board. You need to make sure you've got your pacing strategy. Uh, it really is. Yeah. It's a strategic event. You need to have a game plan. Um, you need to think through all of these things in advance in order to give you the best chance of um, yeah, reaching your, your potential. And can I ask you, I've just noted, I know I said about the bikes earlier, but is that a Sealy SMP saddle on the bottom? It is. Bike? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They are great. I've got one on my mountain bike and one on my road bike. They are the best, best saddle. Hey, I came up with them years ago. Yeah, yeah, they're really comfortable. Yeah. If anyone's into cycling, listen, Sealy SMP, check them out. They do a few different, they do actually do like a almost carbon one, don't they? Which is like, well, you'd have to be a pro to sit on that. But the, the padded ones, I think I've got virtually the same one as yours there. I'll send good. you some photos for the show notes, maybe. The one on the bottom there, it's so it's like a, a white themed bike, but it's got some um, leopard print, blue leopard print uh, handlebar tape on the front. <laughs> You'd have to think that maybe with your cycling, that's helped with your um, like longevity, you know. You haven't really said you've had any major injuries, like your joints, and that I think yeah. maybe the cycling has helped. Yeah, well, I was uh, a lot of my training as well. Um, one of the challenging things is, uh, you know, I work full time. I'm, I'm studying as well. I'm doing a PhD at the moment. I've got three kids. Um, time is pretty much at a premium. So I need to work out, well, how can I optimize the time that I've got available? And, you know, I don't have time to be sitting in a car stuck in traffic for half an hour or yeah, 45 minutes each morning. So um, you know, what I'll do is I'll throw a backpack on and I'll run into work. Uh, before I was sort of up at the mileage that I'm at at the moment, I was regularly on the push bikes. The push bikes have probably been on the wall for the last two years. I don't think I've uh, put them down because most of um, yeah, what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis is running. So I've kind of phased them in, but they were really important just in those early years because my body yet wasn't really yet adapted to be able to handle that high mileage. So being able to gradually increase by sort of introducing the bike and then gradually building up the the kilometers that I was running running wise it's um it's helped and I think that's one of the biggest issues with um a lot of people they'll try to do too much too soon or they'll kind of have this really focused short-term vision as to what they want to achieve in terms of goals but you know my approach has been more developing a routine which is sustainable and sustainable knowing like what my body is capable of as well so you need to as an athlete be really in tune with um, how you respond to stress both physical and mental and kind of balancing all these things and then making sure that you're adapting your training accordingly and you know you've got all different tools available to help gradually in, um, introduce that stress and you know for me I guess the bike helped with that but uh, it's meant that I've been able to yeah, gradually get to the point where I'm at at the moment where I can pretty comfortably smash out sort of 160k weeks. The, um, as I think, you know, having been a cyclist and then going to running, it's, it's, you get the, you get the training done a lot quicker. Uh, you don't have to spend eight hours on a bike mm. on a Sunday. I think, um, I think that could, uh, can help some people in, in going to the running and go, well, I could still do a two hour run in a day and do uh the equivalent 
in training wise is like eight hours on a bike would give me and and it can actually sort of because if you're used to having to smash out so many hours on a bike i think it's, it's easier then to be able to still do and a testament to yourself to be able to go and do 160k weeks because um because of the the hours would be um you know a lot less than it would be to have to do equivalent training on a bike Oh, yeah. I've got great respect for well, both cyclists and triathletes, Ironman. It's uh, the the amount of training that you really have to do to be like, mm. well, not only competitive, but just to finish the distance. You need to spend so much time on the bike. It would be really difficult to do that whilst, yeah, sort of balancing, you know, all these yeah, other things. Imagine being a pro cyclist doing 200, yeah, 200Ks a day or something, you yeah. know, you'd just be like, cool. It would, it would, you know, you're just a special yeah. kind of person, then it advice. You just go brain dead, I think, doing uh, that, that, that much time on a bike. Yeah, no, two and a half hours is enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Should we wrap it up there? Yeah, mate. I think that's great. Oh, mate. Thanks heaps. You thanks heaps for um, giving us your time. You're obviously super busy. You're a dad, studying, working. Don't know how you do it. But you're doing it, so good on you. Yeah, thanks, Steve. No, it's been a pleasure. It's uh, yeah, it's great to chat to you guys. And um, what's your local park run, by the way? Oh well, I do well. well I do all park runs, but um, the closest would be St Lucia and Rocks River. So I kind of spend a bit of time between the two. But um, yeah, I enjoy going out to to different park runs. Um, if I'm on holidays, I'll sort of sneakily do a quick Google of what the closest one is and check out course record and <laughs> it's within striking range so if you head out this way if you head out like if you're going Redcliffe, north lakes or sandgate then uh give us a give us a heads up we'll uh we'll come down there and we'll run yeah, with you for 10 meters and then we'll be gone yeah yeah we'll catch up well i'm there i'm at sandgate gate most years for that um the speed week where they bring together all of the yeah, yeah. sort of the top under 20 minute guys together so you got a queue queue to get over the line didn't you oh yeah it's crazy well that's the good thing about parkrun as well is that you know parkrun is for everyone it's for you know the walkers at the back it's for people just getting out for the social side of things it's for the volunteers who enjoy being in the community but it's also for people you know like me who enjoy being able to have a really fast run um on a, a, a competition a, a different course yeah each week and with a bit of competition and being able to see your times up on the um the national ranking boards as well that's kind of good fun as well but yeah park run has something for everyone and yeah that's what i think is yeah so special about it all right well, Aiden, we'll, thanks very much for yeah. coming on and uh yeah good luck with your training and uh, in these warmer months and um we'll catch up with you really soon cheers guys been a pleasure thanks mate catch you later see ya
these tricks on me sometimes And I'll find that my mind climbs higher than it should climb oh, My imagination, I'm contemplating, hesitating on exploitating my mind Wish you fine in time, I will find that we shine When they won't shine, you can put a time on mine Show me these purple elephants, a twisted intelligence Extension of tolerance, dimension of flowers in my mind Stop rewind, now what the fuck did you find? Ain't nothing in here but why? Subliminal messages can't breathe Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind Yes, it's fine Come kick it with me in my imagination Sometimes our minds play these tricks on us Sometimes we find that our minds They climb higher than they should climb up Our imagination Contemplating, hesitating On exploitating my mind We should find in time Our minds, they will shine With the wrong shine You can put a time on minds Show me these purple A twisted intelligence Extension of tolerance Dimension of flowers in my mind Stop, rewind Now what the fuck did you find? Ain't nothing in here but why? Subliminal I can't breathe Mine, 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 mine.